Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, we recap the announcements for the Game Awards. PlayStation finally has customization for PlayStation 5, and Henry Cavill is talking about Mass Effect again. everybody and welcome to another episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i'm andrea renee joined as always by miss Brittany brombacher hell ho 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 i was i just said hell ho i love ho, that ho. thanks it's great the brainless Very making connections mid-sentence and that's what came out but i, I appreciate that you liked it thank you my dear <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both sort of wearing festive holiday wear. So Brittany has this. It's, let me see here. So this is like 16-bit, 8-bit sprites, Final Fantasy IX yes, sprites? Yes, yes. Oh, shit, girl, look at you. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that I recognize that. You know who it was? What? It was, it's behind your behind your hair over your, over your left, like just on your left shoulder. Um, the little mage character, <gasps> Vivi. Vivi, yes, or as you call him, MJ. MJ, yeah, yes, that was the one that that made me recognize it. And then, of course, I like I'm kicking it old school with Grumpy Cat. I love Grumpy Cat, the Grumpy Cat. <laughs> I mean, I've always thought you were an attractive human, Andrea, but the fact that you just like correctly guess what this is makes me think that you are like ten times more attractive than you were before. Yes. Yeah. So all I want is for Brittany to like me. Notice me, senpai. <laughs> is that is that how I justify my life? Is when people are like, all I want is Brit to notice me, and then I feel good about myself. Okay, noted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I'm glad that um, you are here. I'm glad that um, I'm here, and we're recording an episode because we had a bunch of production this past weekend that had some substantial technical difficulties. So I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Brianna Manuel and Danny Pena who are going to be on our upcoming What's Good Game Awards and most anticipated episodes. I do want to make a caveat for people listening. The most anticipated episode almost got lost. Ooh. We had a catastrophic production PC failure where everything hard crashed and I thought I lost the entire recording and was very sad panda but I did some internet sleuthing and we managed to recover the file but at a cost the video is definitely borked uh, so if you are an audio listener and you're only on podcast you're in the clear but if you are watching at youtube.com games I apologize in advance that video you maybe just want to look away maybe just don't watch it it's bad you know it's, it's literally creepy and it reminds me of, you know, someone who's seen a lot of horror movies in my day. It looks like a tape that's been possessed by the spirit of, like, one of the worst devils possible. It's all glitchy, <laughs> and we're all, like, moving in abnormal ways. But the audio is, you say, like, totally fine. So, yeah. you know, if you're looking for a good horror movie on uh, New Year's Eve, got you covered. Yeah, watch 
watch our video um, and hopefully you, you know, survive. Um, welcome to the show, whether this is your first episode or your 254th episode. We're glad that you guys are here. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, David Icolucci, Ferris, Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Godare, and Punctified. And if you want to help support What's Good Games, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. And it looks like we have a couple new podcast reviewers. We have Dow Zero. I don't know. How would you see, say D-A-U-X? Doe? Yeah. Doe? Dow? Whatever. Dow? That sounds right. Thank you, Dow Zero. We have Leon is Sexy. Assuming you're talking about Leon S. Kennedy. I could not agree more. Gotta love that. That bowl cut from the 90s. It's not really a bowl cut. Bullish. The Nick Carter cut is what I like to call it. I digress. Vegas Rin and I Heart York. Thank you so, so much, friends. We have been getting a lot more podcast reviews lately. And, you know, Andrea, our rankings in those little algorithms have been going up, up, up. Coincidence? Excellent. I don't think so. It's all thanks to you guys. So we really appreciate it. Yes, it is. Thank you, everybody, who takes some time out of their day to help our little show. This show is also brought to you by ExpressVPN, but we'll talk more about that later. Let's get into the news. So because we have to record this podcast a little bit early because I'm traveling for the holidays, we are going to be recapping a little bit of the announcements that came out at the Video Game Awards along with a couple of other news stories. So apologies that we don't have like the latest, greatest, hot, fresh, tasty news items for you. But hopefully you will still enjoy the episode nonetheless. It was an interesting night at the Game Awards 2021. I thought that the awards themselves were a little like, meh, 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 it's fine. Um, and we'll get into that in just a second. But the announcements seem to be okay. We had a couple big announcements. So what do you want to talk about first, Britt? You want to talk about who won or you want to talk about what was announced? Let's talk about who won. All right. Which category do you want to lead off with? Let's start with, I have this article here from, I believe it was IGN. And so I just picked and choose some of the categories, the, mo- the ones that are more most relevant to us. So let's just start with the big one, Game of the Year. So the nominees for this one were Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. Now, It Takes Two winning, it surprised me. I think it's worthy of winning, Okay, let me let me think. Okay, I'm thinking out loud here. All of these are great games. They're fantastic games. There's not a clear cut winner this year. You know what I mean? It's not like years Correct. past where you've had that one just like Mwah, chef's kiss game that you know is just going to sweep all of the awards. I think any of these could have won, of and I would have been like okay with it, cool. But the fact that it takes two one is just so surprising to me. Not because I don't think it's worthy of it because I love that game, but I think it's just because it's such a unique game in itself right Mm -hmm. it's a game built from the ground up for co-op it's the story it's a story revolving around a family two parents who are on the brink of divorce but they're trying to make it work for their kid but where this game really shines even though i think it lacks a little narratively is just the gameplay and the unique mechanics that every level in this game brings to the table it's so well acted it's such a fun art direction and so yeah like i can see this winning but what about you andrea what did you think about it I didn't spend enough time with this game to accurately judge if it deserved to win Game of the Year or not. I think based off the reviews I read, the previews that I read, the short time that I did spend with it, it deserved a nomination. Did it deserve to win over some truly spectacular games like Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, Deathloop, and Psychonauts 2? Uh, 
I don't know. My gut says no, especially since, you know, I think that, you know, a game like this is not as on its face game of the year qualification. But, you know, I really want to reserve my final judgment until I finish the game. Mm, That's fair. Yeah, well, it was an interesting year. I think of all the years we've been doing this show, this was the one where I was like, man, there's just no clear-cut winner. I mean, even Resident Evil Village, it's, I don't know. Like, I think that's what I voted for personally when we submitted our votes, but um, just one of those years. And I also think that it's it's tough when we talk about Game of the Year. I actually did a Twitter Spaces on what is Game of the Year anyway. So I had mentioned this on the show before, but I'm going to be hosting Twitter Spaces multiple times a week for the next couple of months as part of the Twitter Spaces Spark program. And if you guys aren't following me at Andrea Renee, um, maybe now would be a good time to do that if you want to participate because I am bringing people up on stage to talk with me. So if you ever wanted to have a candid conversation about video games. And some people had some really interesting things to say about what Game of the Year means to them. And then, of course, some people gave some suggestions of what they thought was their personal Game of the Year, which I thought was great to kind of hear from some people about some other games. And all games that I hadn't played yet and that weren't nominated in this list, all different kinds of games, which was really interesting. But I think that Game of the Year is always a little bit contentious because we get such a diverse cross-section of games these days, and sometimes it's hard to really have a de facto Mm -hmm. game of the year. But even when a big tentpole game wins, it can be contentious. Like, I think about the year that God of War won. Like, to me, like, God of War was the clear winner, but also out that year was Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm -hmm. Not to be overlooked, they did some really innovative things when it comes to technical achievement in gameplay, storytelling, world-building, Right, like I had some problems with that game, but like I can appreciate the magnificent wonder that that game also was. But it's tough, you know. I think everyone's kind of opinion of what Game of the Year is and who deserves it is <laughs> quite different. <laughs> we could have a whole podcast about that, Andrea. Kind of like really whole spaces. I on talked it. about it on Twitter for like ninety. I minutes. was going to say that is such an interesting category. Yeah, I'll never forget that year because I remember the, the one of the main reasons why I wanted God of War to win Game of the Year was because I think Red Dead did some really weird things with its narrative that didn't make sense to me. And to me, that's one of my biggest uh, factors that I take into consideration. Like, what makes sense with the narrative? Did they explore the best they could? And that's why, even though like I really enjoyed Resident Evil Village and I voted for it, I thought personally like there was just some weird things they did with some of the storytelling through the through the scenes and whatnot. But yeah, it's it's an interesting medium video games. But yes, it is indeed. Um, well, there's so many other categories at the Game Awards, and some of the ones that I thought were particularly. Um, notable, of course. Best performance is always a favorite. Mm. We love seeing and hearing from the voice actors and sometimes screen actors that are making their way into video games. And I got to be honest, I did not think Maggie Robertson was going to win. Obviously, Lady Dimitrisk has been a viral character with Resident Evil this year and people loved her and her performance was great. But whenever you're up against a giant name like Giancarlo Esposito, who played the villain in Far Cry 6, I just am like, oh, it's got to go to the face that people recognize. So I was like pleasantly surprised that Maggie won. I think it's so fantastic. And I think what Maggie did is just so important because I think she got a lot of people interested (laughs) in Resident Evil. I mean, granted, like, yes, like, she was just the voice, but, you know, you have such a 
such a character, a large character, like no pun intended, in Lady D that I think everyone can appreciate, right? She's very unique in that we don't see many antagonists like her. And in her, her she's a vampire, she's hot, she has these lovely um, <clears throat> assets. And to have a, a voice actress come in and nail that role and make it so everyone can appreciate what Lady D is, I think that like attracted a lot of people to Resident Evil who may or may not have been interested otherwise. And so for that, I, I'm really happy for her. And in her speech, you know, she's saying, you know, thank you for the gaming community. You've changed my world and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's just lovely. And like I said, you can't underestimate the power of the Internet. Like they, they can make you go viral and give you a whole new career that maybe you never anticipated. But hopefully, you know, she'll get a lot of gigs and I hope she finds a lot of joy in uh, doing this kind of work. Because I think she's going to have no shortage of offers going forward. I guess I don't know Maggie's story. I, I guess I just assumed that she had been working in games, but has she not? <clears throat> I'm looking at her IMDb, and I'm just seeing a lot of, uh, she was, yeah. She, so it looks like she's done maybe a couple games, and that's it. And she just has some other stuff in TV series and, and movies and stuff, but nothing super, like, groundbreaking like she did in uh, Village. So, yeah, like, this could be, like, a really good start to her maybe already career that was going on, but now hopefully she'll just get a lot more offers, but... Um, go Maggie. Fuck yeah. Also, she well, looked for her. stunning on the stage. I loved her dress. I love. She did look great. Oh, mwah. Yeah. What other categories do you want to highlight, Britt? Let's see. Hmm. Mm. Do you want to talk about the fact that It Takes Two won family Yeah, game? yeah. I think, we, I think we should talk and about that. And how, one. like, wild and ridiculous that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's such an interesting category, right? Because, okay, Best Family Game, the nominations were It Takes Two, Mario Party Superstars, New Pokemon Snap, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, and WarioWare Get It Together. Now, Basically all Nintendo yeah, all the time. Right, always. It's always a Nintendo category. So it's interesting because, I guess, how do you define... A family, right? I think when you hear family, you immediately think mom, dad, or mom, mom, or dad, dad, and then kids, you know, like how many kids are involved. And so you think of games like Nintendo games, again, like Mario Party Superstars, in my opinion, would have been the number one, because everyone can gather around the TV and play that. But you know, some families don't include children. (coughs) It's just pets, or maybe it's no pets, or maybe it's just two partners, and that's the family. So it's kind of this weird line of where do you draw the line between family game and multiplayer game. And the official description for best family game is for the best a- game for the best game appropriate for family play irrespective of genre or platform. I think the intention is something that is age agnostic that doesn't really matter what your family composition is, but that it's not like mature rated content. Right. right? That it's something that kids and grandparents can play together and it's approachable, accessible and fun and hopefully innovative and exciting and really well built and well made. And I think the reason why, at least from the outside looking in, that a lot of people have gripes that I've read on Twitter and other platforms, Reddit and whatnot, with it takes to winning this category is that it takes two has some very controversial themes about family even you talked about mm-hmm. the scene where you're forced to kill your <laughs> child's like favorite toy in a really kind of graphic way and how that there's definitely some really contentious themes about marriage and divorce in the game. And is that appropriate for family play for people of all ages? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I would say probably not. Like I think that 
you know, I guess you could make an argument, well, you should be able to have these tough conversations with your family, but uh, you're not going to have a conversation about divorce with a six-year-old over a video game, are you? Right, right. And I mean, that's where I think, and this is something we talk about every year, maybe a little bit more specific, specific specificity uh, on the description when we vote for these categories, right, would be helpful because I agree. Like the description you gave for it is how I think of it as well. But going back to your point, it's interesting because when I first saw this game at a behind closed doors, aka private video call, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, I feel like it was months and months and months ago, and it was hands off, but we got to see Joseph talk about the game and his his idea for it. There were those questions brought up by other members of the gaming press of like, how do you tackle a topic as touchy as divorce and what that means for other people and healthy family dynamics? And his response in his in his typical fashion was, Pretty much, it's not that serious. Like, I want this to be a romantic comedy. I don't want folks to look at this game as it's an actual, as, as if there's an actual message there. Uh, it's kind of like the, the the vibe I was getting from him. But I think you you that's hard to nail because when you're playing a game like this that's so well executed and so well acted, it's hard not to take the story seriously. And it's hard not to listen or try to listen and process the message that you're getting in between the lines when you're playing this. And you're right. I think one of the main issues for this was if you t- if you and your partner aren't right for each other and you're tw- trying to make your marriage work for the sake of your of your kid, all you have to do is just work together and live with each other and it'll just get better. Now, you know, that's not de- necessarily the def- def- the definite message that this game is sending, but it's kind of like what it, it never it never takes the the narrative to that deep level of like maybe there's that maybe this isn't going to work after all but that's okay you know you never really get that feeling from playing it and i think that's where you look at a narrative decision is this an appropriate game to play with your kids i mean the gameplay is absolutely fantastic it is so much fun but you know you might have to have that conversation of like hey like you know this is just a video game don't take the story so seriously I don't know how you do that. I don't have a kid that that's old, that's as old, you know, that would appreciate this, but it is definitely an interesting choice. And there are some really interesting narrative decisions that I feel like will be kind of traumatizing. They're traumatizing for adults, like you said, destroying your child's favorite stuffed animal. Very tragic. Still sticks with me to this day. Um, But I mean, yeah, it's a tricky one. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. It is a tricky one. they also won best multiplayer game, yes. which I was like, I was shook by. Not gonna lie, I was like, wow, beat out Back for Blood, Knockout City, and then Monster Hunter Rise, which I don't know why. I don't know why Monster Hunter Rise was nominated. Well, um, and then New World, and I haven't played any of New World, so I'm not. I can't speak to Amazon's MMO. Yeah, but. Like now, see if I, I like. I want people listening to know that I'm not intentionally trying to like poo-poo it takes two because Brittany said nothing but great things about it and said you said that you loved it and you enjoyed your time with it. So yeah, you know, actually, if there's one category for it takes two to win, I would hope it would be best best multiplayer game. Like I do think that deserved to win because again, it is designed from the ground up for cooperative play, and I think it's great that a game like this can win because it's not all about shooting and killing things. I mean, besides your child's favorite stuffed animal. Um, but you know it's it's just 
literally every level is just built and designed for co-op. So I feel like if there is a category this game should win, it should be this one. And, you know, I admittedly haven't played enough Back for Blood or any of these other games, so it's, it's hard for me to say, like, this is definitively the winner, but I would hope that it would win this one. And it did. So, cool. And it did. And it did. I think the game that really, to me, I thought that they would win more would be Psychonauts 2 and Ratchet and Clank. Both of those games, I don't think won anything all night long. Yeah. I think they both got shut out for any awards, which I thought was a little tragic and a little bit of a bummer. But I do want to give a call out to surprise narrative winner, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I did not anticipate this winning over Deathloop and Psychonauts 2. I was Same. I was surprised. I mean, I've really enjoyed the narrative in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I really appreciated the speech that the team made on stage about how they really focused, really tried to focus the story and have this theme of grief kind of underpin a lot of the narrative choices, which is something that you wouldn't expect from a Guardians of the Galaxy narrative because that Guardians of the Galaxy, you think of it being whimsical and fun and wacky and... I thought that this was a big surprise win. Yeah, agreed. I was not anticipating that at all. I was really thinking Psychonauts 2 could have been, was kind of a shoe in here. But as you said, our poor boy Raz just didn't, didn't pull through. I mean, but this happens every year. There's always, was it Spider-Man one year that didn't win anything? Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm, I think it won best action adventure or best oh, so action game. Oh, won something. And like, that was it. I think I got one award. Yeah. I'll have to double check on that, but... Yeah, I was. That was the year. That was the same year that God of War and Red Dead Redemption Two came out. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Team. <laughs> what a year Just to release your video game. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's stop talking about the awards because you guys can check out all of the winners at thegameawards.com. And instead, let's talk about just a couple of the announcements that happened during the show. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Have you ever been chilling at a cozy coffee shop with your laptop when nature calls and you decide, what the heck, this place seems safe? You just leave all your stuff on your table or you run to the john? No, never done that? Seems like a crazy idea? Well, that's pretty much what using the internet is like if you're not using a VPN. Sure, most of the time, you're probably fine and no one's going to steal your stuff. But what if one day you come out of the bathroom and your laptop is gone? Don't get caught with your pants down, everybody. Protect yourself and your internet browsing with ExpressVPN. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network cafes, hotels, airports, any hacker on that same network can gain access to your personal data, password, financial details, you name it. And it doesn't take much technical know-how to hack somebody these days. Just some cheap hardware is needed. I mean, heck, even a smart 12-year-old could do it. Now, you might not know how valuable your data truly is. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling your personal info on the dark web. I mean, that's a lot of money when you consider how many people have been hacked these days. But using ExpressVPN can create a secure encrypted tunnel for your data between your device and the internet so hackers can't steal your sensitive info. It's super secure because it would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. And it's super easy to use. Just fire up the app and click one button to get protected. It works on all of your devices, phones, laptops, 
laptops, tablets, and more so you can stay secure on the go. And particularly this time of year when all of our online shopping reaches a fever pitch as we frantically search for last minute gifts with overnight shipping, you definitely want to protect your data at all costs because nobody wants last minute mother-in-law gifts hanging around in their cookies for their partner to find. Am I calling out what's happening to me currently? Maybe, maybe (laughs) not. Who could say? Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash what's good games. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash what's good games. And you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash what's good games. Brittany, this year at the Game Awards, there were quite a few really interesting announcements in the pre-show. So the Game Awards production team has been doing this more in the last year or two where they've been kind of tucking what I think are pretty legitimate Mm -hmm. releases or announcements inside the pre-show and then we just miss them. The one that I was the most excited about, The Expanse, a a Telltale series, is coming. So I can't believe that this is happening. So I love The Expanse. Have you ever watched The Expanse? Negative. So I have just gushed about The Expanse and the reason why is because it's reminds me of the Mass Effect TV series I've always wanted and we're going to talk about the oh, Mass yeah, Effect TV series. Oh yeah, you talked about that on the show before, right? Second. The Expanse. I feel like you have. Yeah, okay. so this trailer um, came out during the pre-show and I'm going to pull up the trailer here from um, IGN. So if you guys missed it, uh, if you're and you're watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, uh, you can take a look at it. But so this TV show is in its last season now, just actually just launched on Amazon prime and it's just a wonderful, wonderful show. And so when I found out that they were making a telltale series about it, I thought this was going to be great because I, absolutely adore um, the narrative storytelling of Telltale. And I think that it's a great thing to do to make it more accessible to people because trying to do like an action adventure set in the Expanse universe would be phenomenal and amazing. But boy, oh boy, will it take years and years to make something like that and make it good. So I think this gives a really easy way to um, have people get into the universe from a gameplay perspective. So, so this is I'm excited a about prequel, it. Prequel then. Um yes. Okay. So the little blurb says that it's a prequel to the hit TV series. Um and so we'll hopefully learn more about what they're going to feature. They have, you know, drummer there in the trailer and she is um, what's called a, a, a belter, and a belter is a person who is born like on a space station in the outer rim um, on the edge of the galaxy belt, and there's like a whole oh, faction belter. system within the expanse. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I thought maybe like a singer, you know, someone who like belts out a tune, but nay, nay. Mm. I was very wrong. No. Thank you for clarifying. No. No problem. <laughs> so I'm ex- I'm excited about what that game is going to look like. And uh, so that was one of my, um, the first things <laughs> I noticed from the pre-show. And then I want to call out Thirsty Suitors yes. because this is a game that I got to talk about when I hosted the Idea at Xbox Indie Game Showcase during the Winter Gathering for Twitch last Friday, which if you guys missed it, you can find it on the Twitch gaming channel. You can watch the VOD there. But this is from Outer Loop Games. So Outer Loop, of course, is the studio behind Falcon Age. And if you guys don't remember, Falcon Age was that um, 
game where you had your little owl, owl friend. friend. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And the reason I wanted to call this out is because uh, and when I spoke to Eka, um, who is one of the founders of the studio, I said to him, I was like, I saw the name and I just immediately assumed that this was a dating sim. <laughs> it's like Thirsty Suitors. Yep. Sounds like Steimer's next favorite game. Um, and But it's not. It's actually an adventure game. And it's got re- combat elements. It's got cooking elements. And it's all set with this Southeast Asian flair and... You know, you've even got the the auntie here in the trailer spinning her her barbell like a badass, and I would just really love the color and the art style of this game, and I'm really looking forward to checking. Oh, me this out. too. The blurb is: Kinjala handle her demanding parents, reconcile with her exes, and mend broken friendships in time for her sister's wedding. And if you just listen to the dialogue of it. It's so damn cute. It's like her mom like wakes up. Like she's just getting out of bed or whatever. And her mom is telling her and lecturing her about how she's mistreated her exes in the past and how she kind of has had this coming. And she just eye rolls. And she's like, good morning, mom. And I think that really sets the tone for the kind of game this is going to be. And I love it. And I just, I love these sorts of games. And if you go to Outer Loop's Twitter profile, the bio is a minority-led indie video game studio. And to me, like, that makes this instantly appealing to me because, like, I want to play games that are written by people who look different than me, who have had different cultural experiences than me. I think that's so important. And through looking at this, it just looks like it has so much personality and so much charm. I don't even really care about the gameplay. I'm just more in it for, you know, the funny encounters with the exes and the funny dialogue between the characters and the relationships there. And I'm really excited about it. It instantly grabbed me and I was like, ooh, yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming next year. Oh, no. They didn't put a date on it. I don't think they put this a date one on it. is dateless. Aww. Yeah, that's what Eka said. No date. No date. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. Take your time. Yeah. Make your game. Yeah. Have fun. Don't crunch. Um, anything from the pre-show or from the other announcements that you want to call out? Uh, I mean, Tunic. Yay. March 16th. I think. Um, yeah, finally a date. Finally. We, little foxy friend. Little fox friend. I mean, of course, it looks like a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. So I am all about it. This game has looked so cute for so long. We've had our eyes on it for, I think it was announced in 2015. I want to say it was around then. It's been a it's been a while. So the fact that we're finally getting it, and it looks so damn charming and so cute, and I love it because this game was developed by just one person by one person, and now the team has expanded. And I love those kind of stories. You know, it reminds me of like the Stardew Valley. It's like one person created this whole experience that changed millions of people's lives. And it just look at it, look at it, and it gives me the vibe of the Link's Awakening remake. It was kind of like the cel-shaded look and the top-down and the dungeons. And, I mean, he's a little fox friend. He's so cute. I'm very excited for this. He even has a green little tunic on. And it's called Tunic. I mean, come on. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. better be great. Uh, So getting into the main show, we got quite a few different announcements. Jeff was was not coy about it at all. We're not going to go through them all. I'm just going to call out some of the biggest ones. Um, And I think the one that... A lot of people in my feed were talking about and that they were very excited about, of course, was the Wonder Woman game yes. that's coming from Warner Brothers. This was uh, uh, took me by surprise and I was like, OK, OK, let's go, Wonder Woman. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was fun because before Jeff revealed it, he said he had been when he was on stage. He was like, yeah, I've been checking the Reddit, been checking the forums to make sure this one didn't leak and it didn't. So this is going to be a single player open world game where you get to fucking be Wonder Woman 
And the nemesis system is going to be a part of it because, of course, it is because it's a monolith game. And I think that's really interesting. I wonder, I mean, I think we know how the system works, but I guess it's like, how does it, how is it going to work in a Wonder Woman type game? Like, is it just going to be your normal enemies? And it says here, though, it's going to work with both enemies and allies alike. So, huh. Hmm. Because in the other games that you played, it was just enemies, right? Or did they also use allies for the nemesis system? Um, it was just enemies. Okay. Definitely don't recall having any allies. That that's I don't know how that I don't know how that would work to be quite honest. Hmm. Maybe it's like you pick someone to be the like the good like you promote someone and then they're all happy, but maybe their underling kind of gets pissed off at you low key, and then you can't bang them. I think that's how all this stuff works. You know. <laughs> I like where your head's at, Brittany. <laughs> uh, um, what else stood out for you from these announcements? Um, Slitterhead, of course. Hello. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Pull that footage up, baby girl. Let's talk about some Slitterheads. I've been oh thinking about this game for a long, long time. The name, sorry. The name Slitterhead. Since it was, re- since it was announced, Slitterhead. I think it's because all the heads become slits. And then from that emerge weird demonic monsters. Anywho, I digress. So, Slitterhead, this is the first <laughs> reveal from Bokeh Studio. And Bokeh Studio, the creative producer, is Kichiro Toyama, a.k.a. the creator of Silent Hill. May or may not have heard of him. And it just looks so interesting because it's almost like you have these... It, it, the world itself looks almost normal, except for these weird parasitic creatures running around. And the thing is, like, the, the humans that are the hosts for these parasites, I'm just calling them parasites, I don't know what their actual name is, they look normal. And then their heads fucking slit, and then out crawls this big old blah, 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 creature. And so I remember looking into Bokeh Studio earlier this year, I believe it was February or December-ish, and they were, uh, Toyama-san was talking about his inspiration for his next game which obviously hadn't been revealed at that point but it was and i quote regular people being driven into irrational situations everyday life being shaken and he also said that he was inspired by those murder game shows like squid game or alice in borderland and he said that was a really big inspiration for him as well and so i'm wondering if this game potentially could have some sort of element like that where, because if you look at the trailer, and I may or may not have watched it a few times, it looks like it's a rundown city. So obviously, people have been dead and fucked up for a while, but it also looks like there's just normal people going about their day to day business in there. And so I'm wondering if there's some sort of el- game element to this, because the co founder also said that players will be forced to, quote, make sacrifices throughout the game, and it'll really mess with the player's mind. So I'm obviously like reading a lot into this. We don't know anything about this game other than what we saw uh, during the trailer and what we've seen in interviews from earlier this year. But it looks so interesting in the concept art from those interviews and from what we saw during the trailer. It's so grotesque. I'm just fascinated by it. It's disgusting, but I love it. I I had a feeling (laughs) that that one would... (laughs) That one would come up on on your list. Um, another big one that people are talking about that I want to mention, of course, is the return of Alan Wake. Oh, yeah. Alan Wake 2. So this is a game, what, like 12 years in the waking? In the waking? 14 years? Did you just say in the waking? In the waking? Did I, <laughs> did I have like a, like a Freudian slip I there? I think you did, but it was um, great. So this is... To me, I didn't expect this. I think that 
bringing back Alan Wake is a really interesting choice. Now is a great time to tell, you know, supernatural spooky narrative stories. I think that there's been, you know, kind of a renaissance in survival horror as a gameplay genre. I think a lot of people are really interested in looking at what this means. And this definitely, like, they came out and said that this is not, like, what you think. This is definitely, like, a survival horror game. Yeah. Um, and it's coming in 2023. So it is. Their remedy's busy right now. They have their control sequel, yes, they Crossfire are. X. They had this. I'm very excited. I still have not gone back and played the first Alan Wake. I know with the remaster out, I should do that. But you know, just like you say, add it to the pile. Let's just add it. <laughs> there's just there's just so many, so many things to add to the pile. Um I can't not talk about this fantastic trailer and also because, you know, it's Star Wars. Mm. So Star Wars Eclipse. This to me is probably one of the standout trailers that we saw at the Game Awards. Obviously anything with the Star Wars name attached to it is going to get people excited and hot and bothered and also very angry because the Star Wars fandom is just perpetually mad at itself. <laughs> um, and I, as to be expected, there was, you know, a wide gamut of reactions to the Eclipse trailer uh, being from Quantic Dream. I think that there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. We're not going to spend, like, too much time unpacking it. Just to say that I really thoroughly enjoyed Detroit Become Human. I know some people did not care for it, but I think that Quantic Dream as a studio tells very interesting stories in a really different way than we get from a lot of narrative storytelling, particularly in video games. And I think it's going to be interesting to see from a gameplay perspective what they do with this. If it's going to be more narrative focused with fewer gameplay elements, or it sounds to me like they're actually going to be kind of stretching a little bit, flexing their wings, stretching their muscles, whatever you want to call it, um, and making this a, probably the biggest game gameplay-wise that they've ever made. Oh, yeah. So the little blurb that I found on Game Informer says, while details are slim on the upcoming title, the new game promises that players will play as a diverse cast of charismatic characters, each with their own story, abilities, and role to play in the tapestry of events that could alter the carefully balanced piece of the Outer Rim. Ooh. And it's being called an action-adventure. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. You know, I've never really been the biggest Star Wars fan, but when it comes to, again, Quantic Dream, and like you said, there's a lot to unpack there. I think their formula could make for a really great game in the Star Wars universe because I think it would allow me to really focus on the story and the characters and where the narrative is going and some of the lore because that's what their games are mostly all about, right? It's like, yeah, in Detroit Become Human, there was some you know actual gameplay and you would do certain things and move around and interact with objects, but... This, this trailer, and I know I know we've learned the lesson throughout the years, you don't get too hyped over trailers, but even I was like feeling it in my pants, baby girl. I was like, dang, like this shit is hot. This is yeah. Star Wars Eclipse. And then at the end when it said- It's a, a hot trailer. hot trailer. And then it was, obviously it said Quantic Dream at the end and then Twitter kind of. And like you said, like that's, it's hard because I, I know we've seen the stories and I think we're seeing at this point, it's such a systemic issue within- a lot of game studios that there's no real easy answer and quantum dream you know is a large studio i think they have over 200 employees and there's a lot of good people that work on that studio 
And there's no easy answer. We're never going to claim to have the right answer. I think it's a very personal decision for folks to decide how they want to support these games that they're excited about and the creators who make them. Uh, but yeah. with all that said, you know, I was looking at uh, a tweet from Tom Henderson, who appears to know what he's talking about, but who could say... And it sounds like this game is believed to be about three to four years away minimum, and they're currently trying to hire staff to help with it, which, you know, obviously they are. Makes sense. But don't expect this anytime soon if rumors are to be believed. Let's talk about Dying Light. How about we talk about some... Girl, yes. Ugh. Let's talk about it. I had a different trailer queued up, but we will oh. wait to talk about Dying Light. See, I will bring that up right now. It's okay. Let's talk about this little this little game called Dying Light. So this game is coming out February 4th, so it's like right around the corner. Um this trailer, and it was just a cinematic trailer, and I think we're at the point now where we really don't need to see much more about Dying Light. I'm sure there's going to be some like final push for marketing. Of course there is. But I think for me, I think I'm at the point, Andrea, where I have seen all I really need to see at this point. I don't want to know anymore. But just from like a, a trailer perspective, again, don't get too hyped over trailers. Because uh, how did that, uh, remember Dead Island? <laughs> remember all that one? Oh my God, which is, yes. Which is so on point for this because that also is Techland's game. And as you're watching this trailer, it's a very sad, somber one. And it essentially it's just depicting, you know, people trying to survive. Uh, one of them, one party has to essentially kill off the other party to survive, ends up dying anyway. But at the very end, there's this kind of slow zoom on one of the character's eyeballs. And if you remember the dying, the Dead Island trailer, that's how that one kind of starts off as, right? Or ends on. And so I just thought it was an interesting little ode to that trailer itself and kind of just shows how far Techland has come as a developer. And um, they're just, it's a really, really talented team. And I'm just excited to see, you know, obviously like this game is one of my most anticipated, but I'm excited to see them do more work and see what else they can do because I think there's just a lot of potential there and a lot of talent there. And it's just hard to believe it's actually coming out in a couple months, even though I feel like it was supposed to come out 15 years ago. Yes, this game feels like we've been talking about it for ever, many, many years. But they have put out no shortage of developer diaries and behind the scenes looks and gameplay deep dives on their YouTube channel. Lots of press coming out with this game. We talked about how it's officially gold now. Um, so it's definitely coming February 4th, of course, is the release date as we just saw there. And I'm with you. I'm excited. And um, I think having Rosario Dawson as a character in the game, I think is going to be really fun. And, um, you know, I never thought I would be really interested in what Dying Light's doing. And this game, you know, after I saw a really thorough gameplay deep dive at E3. I'm like, okay. I'm yeah. In. I don't want to talk about literally everything that came out because there's just so many trailers. It was a three-hour show. <laughs> it was a lot. Yes, it was big, but I have to. I have to talk about Dune coming back, baby. Oh, shit. That's right. I've said on this show multiple times that one of my favorite old school PC RTS games of yore is Dune 2, the strategy game. I lived on that game when I was a kid and I just squeaked <laughs> so loud when this was announced. I, you know, I think 
my expectations are low because I haven't played a proper RTS in a while. And quite honestly, that game is so old at this point. It's like 20 plus years mm. old. But I was like, yes, I love that they're doing this. I love that they're bringing this back. It was one of my favorite RTSs. I think it's a great time to bring it back with people talking about the movie with part two of the movie coming out next year. I'm like, yes, let's go. Is this the game that gets me back into RTSs? Dune Spice Wars? <laughs> I like how it's called Spice Wars. Is that like... What's what's the, the relevance of Spice Wars? Are we fighting over a cinnamon? Oh, so, so let me. <laughs> you open. It's okay. You don't. You kind you of don't like have to answer all of that. I. I so. <laughs> if you can see the look on the chair, children, face let me right talk, talk to you about oh, the spice. Oh, we have to go to war because we're out of paprika. No, so spices. The spice melange is this psychotropic drug that powers like interstellar space travel mm. in the universe of dune and that's just the elevator okay. one sentence i'm going to give you because there's like a really big deep dive i can go to and like what the spice is and how important it is and the, like the literal wars that are fought over who gets to harvest and mine the spice for the empire and all of that jazz um but Let's not open that Pandora's box of me going down a nerdy <laughs> rabbit hole of Dune lore for people and just say that it's I'm excited that this game is coming back and that they chose to do the strategy game and to kind of bring back the revival. I can't wait to see the first gameplay demo of this. Whoever is out there in the universe that does PR for this game, please invite me. I want to play your she game. She wants to taste your spices. <laughs> um, I also yes. want to talk about another game. I have to say, okay, Sonic Frontiers has me so curious. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the blurb for this is, an experience like never before, accelerate to new heights and experience the thrill of high velocity, open zone freedom, battle powerful enemies as you speed through the Starfall Islands, landscapes brimming with dense forests, overflowing waterfalls, sizzling deserts, and more. Uh, I, I have not been following Sonic. I have not been following the game's that are in the Sonic universe. So I will be the first to admit that this definitely caught me by surprise. But uh, when it was panning to all of the different biomes in the areas, I was like, oh my God, it looks so pretty. We have the water, we have little valleys, we have flowers and waterfalls and just all these gorgeous, gorgeous landscapes and towers and just the idea of playing as Sonic, and again, I know this again, another CG trailer, who knows what the game's actually going to play and look like. It just sounds so damn fun just to get in there and roll around as a tiny blue hedgehog and go like, I don't know how fast he goes, I'm sure someone knows out there, but and just roll around and experience it. And real talk, the first thought I had was, I hope Breath of the Wild 2 looks as good as this, and I wish Pokemon Legends Arceus looked like this, but they don't. But that's okay. We're not going to talk about that right now. This is not the place for that. No, because this is a multi-platform game, and those are not. Uh, <clears throat> Let me take a breath. Sorry, okay, Brittany. It's fine. You can actually see the blades of grass and Yeah, there's Frontiers. actually... You can't in either of the games you actually mentioned. Actually, textures. It's kind of nice to see Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this looked really good. I, you know, some people lost their minds, and I think that's fantastic. Also, the Sonic 2, the official trailer. Why is Knuckles hot? Who could say? It's weird. I would have thought I outgrew this. <laughs> I would have thought I would have been over him by now, but my five, six-year-old <laughs> self is still all about that fucking red little rodent, whatever he is. I wait. Well, I mean, it doesn't help that I just Alba voices him like, Whoo! <laughs> that man. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Echidna? I don't know how to say that. 
E-C-H-I-D-N-A. That's what he is. And I just looked at a real photo of one of these creatures, and oh my god, that is absolutely horrifying. Wait, what is it? Uh, Echidna? E-C-H-I-D-N-A? E-C-H-I-D-N-A. There it is. Echidna. Oh, fuck. Echidna. Sorry, friends. Echidna is how you pronounce it. Oh, he looks he looks like a like a little porcupine. Yeah, I know, but look at it. Like Andrea, that's I'm attracted to the anthropomorphic version of that. That's weird. <laughs> I think I need to go talk to someone. I don't know what it means. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it means. Amazing. <laughs> oh no. <sighs> yeah. Oh boy. oh boy. Okay. Well, let's move on from the game awards because I know you guys are probably um like old news let's talk about just a couple of new news items and the first one i want to bring up um is that playstation finally decided to do some customizing for the console mm-hmm. that's it that's the oh, story. i thought you're gonna read a story that's okay <laughs> I was waiting for no. okay so from the PlayStation blog, new DualSense wireless controller colors arrive next month, followed by new PS5 console covers. So we suspected that due to the design of the PS5 that the fins were going to be customizable. And surprise, they are, according to the PlayStation blog, they are going to be coming in Nova Pink, Starlight Blue, Galactic Purple, and adding to the previously released Cosmic Red and Midnight Black DualSense wireless controllers, the latest Galaxy-inspired colors will launch globally starting in January 2022 at participating retailers. Yeah, so these let me are bring hot. up a little let me bring up a little video here it's, so that you guys can um check this out. Yeah, this isn't super surprising because I feel like it was just a couple months ago that there was someone else who was making these. Uh, D-Brand, I believe, was the name of the manufacturer. And they received a cease and desist from Sony to uh, stop selling those. And then lo and behold, a couple months later, here Sony is with their own. I mean, it's just people are yeah. so quick to make these things that I know there's a reason for everything. But you would have thought that maybe Sony would have launched these a while ago. But they're out now. And now don't you dare try to make your own plates because Sony's going to send you a and d and that'll be it. Yeah. Well, I think they'll come around eventually, right? But like, it's no surprise that yeah, their legal is like, no, buy ours first because custom controllers have been a thing for a long time. Somebody tweeted to me was like, do you think that this is going to be better than Colorware's custom controller? And I was like, I don't know. Colorware makes great custom controllers. It certainly will be cheaper because Colorware is expensive. Yeah. But they're really nice and they last a long time. So, mm-hmm. But the purple and the pink... Oh, man. You know what color I really like of these that hasn't been getting love? That sky blue. I'm really feeling it. I really like okay, that color. Okay. The purple and the pink is perfect WGG colors. Sony, uh, get in touch with our lawyer. We see what you're doing, stealing our shit. Um, <laughs> uh, we own the pink we and purple do. combo. It's if you true. We own and we'll accept settlement in a cool sum of like a few mil. We'll, we'll, we'll get in touch with you. <laughs> but no, I really like that blue color. Starlight blue is what it's called. It's really pretty. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah, you can uh, you can customize your PS5 if you can get a PS5. Oh yeah. Maybe Santa will bring you one this year. Someday they'll have PS5s available for people to buy <laughs> when this global chip shortage finally ends. <laughs> um all right, moving on to our last story of the week, Henry Cavill. Daddy. 
would love to have a conversation about the Mass Effect TV series. So you guys may or may not remember that last year we talked about a tease that Henry Cavill did on his Instagram account where he alluded to potentially working on a secret Mass Effect project. And we were all like, yes, daddy, please be Commander Shepard. Let's Mm go. And now we have confirmation. Okay, we don't have confirmation. We have rumors that a Mass Effect TV series is in the works. Right. Almost confirmation, but rumors still technically. Um, And now, speaking to Games Radar, Henry Cavill has said that his interest in the project depends on how closely the adaptation stays true to the original games. So if you guys have missed it, Henry Cavill's been doing a ton of press right now because The Witcher Season 2 on Netflix is about to release. And so he's been doing interviews with everybody, except for us, apparently. And... (laughs) Well, we don't cover TV. I don't blame his PR. Oh, yeah. um, so he told Games Radar, he's very much so interested. Yeah, all depending on how they're executing it. The world of adaptation can be heavy or light. When I like a product, I prefer the adaptation to be less changed from the source. So it all depends. The actor added that if Mass Effect series officially finds a home, he would love to have a conversation. Ooh. So last month is when the reports came out saying that Amazon was nearing a deal with EA to create a Mass Effect adaptation. So I'm excited about that for two reasons. One, Henry Cavill is great. I think he's a wonderful actor and I love his nerd cred and think he would be a great Commander Shepard. But two, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I think Amazon is a great home for a Mass Effect adaptation because I loved what they did with The Expanse and they've already kind of set the groundwork that they can do a big sci-fi series. And so make it happen, Amazon. You've got the money, (laughs) EA wants all your money. Just give it to them and make Mass Effect happen. You have very good reasons. I have a very shallow reason, and it's just that he's fun to look at. He's just nice to look at. Put that man on my TV as often as he can, and I will not complain. I don't care. He yeah. can be Garrus. I don't give a fuck. If he carries his body with Henry Cavill's face, could you imagine that monstrosity? Oh, God. Um, speaking of Henry Cavill, I just saw, I think it was last week, he was on the Graham Norton show, I believe that's right. And he was talking about some of his nerdy hobbies. And I don't know this show. I don't even know who Graham Norton is. I just saw the headline. Anyway, the host, assuming that's Graham, was like low-key giving him shit for being a nerd and painting his miniatures. And I... What? Like, watch it. It's a little shady. And he was kind of... Dang, I usually like Graham Norton stuff. That makes me... That bums me out. He was kind of doing the thing of like, so you paint them? question mark you know kind of like insinuating like okay you do that weird he was talking down to his nerd right. style and i just saying like it's yeah. like it's dumb yeah. and i just thought that was so fascinating because you can literally be like one of the most attractive people on this planet be ripped as shit have a and a super ses- successful actor exactly, yeah. have an incredibly successful career but you talk uh, the minute you talk about loving nerd shit it's just like, it doesn't matter who you are. And I just thought that was really eye-opening because I think, you know, all of us kind of live in our own little echo chamber of like, we support what we all love. We love what we love. We try to uplift each other. But then you forget like there's that big old world out there. It doesn't matter. You can be fucking Henry Cavill and you'll still get flipped some shit. So just, you know, don't listen to the naysayers, friends. You're awesome. And what you love is great. Just, uh, it's kind of, it just made me a little upset. Just a little, you know? Yeah, mm. it's interesting because the uh, the YouTube title for the video says Henry Cavill's adorably nerdy hobby, 
the Graham Norton show. And I'm like, oh, uh, mm. yeah, see. But do you think it's adorable and fun? Or are you talking down to him like he's a grown man behaving like exactly. a Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. <sighs> Wait till they find uh. out how successful the video game and nerd industry is and how much money it generates. No one seems to know that. They never seem to talk about that, do they? Oh, no. It's. It's almost like people want to be involved in video games and then they poo-poo our communities Mm -hmm. like we're not good enough. But then they're like, oh, video games make literally more money than TV and film combined. Oh, I guess these gamers know what's up. And it's like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Kindly go fuck yourself out the door. Thanks. Go run into one of those characters from Slitterhead too while you're at it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Don't poo-poo us. It's okay to be nerdy and paint minifigs. Absolutely. That's actually a very difficult artistic talent. It's not easy. Listen, I can barely like paint those watercolor things, you know, where you just take like a wet brush and you paint like a blank piece of paper. Like (laughs) you literally just put water on it and the colors appear. And it might bleed everywhere. I can't even handle that. Let alone minifigs. Listen, my Microsoft Paint skill is very exclusive in the sense that's all my artistic skill is at is Microsoft Paint. Anything outside of that, I can't do for shit. I don't know. Again, people just poo-poo. No poo-pooing. No poo-pooing in 2022. No poo poo 2022. No poo poo. There's a rhyme there. There's a theme there somewhere. <laughs> no poo poo 2022. No poo poo 2022. There we go. We got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Buy our concert tickets next week. We'll be there. <laughs> I mean, we have gotten offered record deals in the past. <laughs> so you might want to like strike while the iron's hot on this up and coming act, okay? <laughs> oh boy all right that's gonna wrap up the news for the week and we're just gonna quickly transition into what we've been playing because it's gonna be relatively brief i haven't had as much time to play which i talk about extensively in next week's episode um as i would like but Brittany, Mm -hmm. obviously you're still on that final fantasy 9 train we don't need to talk about that again but do I see that you've gone back to Dragon Age Inquisition? I Andrea. <laughs> yes, I love this for Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what's going on with me right now. Like we've said many times, my backlog is up to my eyeballs. But I am playing Final Fantasy IX and Dragon Age Inquisition right now. They're very, and I mean, in, in real talk, like Andrea knows, but like I have a lot of stressful shit going on behind the scenes right now. So I'm kind of in this mood for chicken soup for the soul type experiences and Final Fantasy IX gives that to me and the world of Dragon Age Inquisition is so vast and there's so much lore that and it's been forever since I visited that world I mean gosh that game came out in what 20 2015 24 I feel like it was 14 15 ish and I'm just missing it I just want to go back and I want to read all about the Chantry and the Templar and the Fade and the Veil and Solace and it's just it's just a really good, healthy way to kind of escape <laughs> real world problems right now. And I am just having so much fun playing it. And I guess I kind of forgot like how excellent that game really, really is. And I mean, the last time I played it was when it released and that was forever ago. And so now I'm going back to it and I'm just like, damn, like Bioware, like when they nail it, they fucking nail it. And I'm uh, just really excited to see where the future of the that studio goes for many reasons. But it's felt good to get back to it. And it's just so good. I mean, this game was a game of the year game yeah. when it came out in 2014. You know, like I think sometimes it's easy to forget, you know, all the accolades that this game got. And I think what Dragon Age Inquisition does really well in the RPG genre is that because it really forayed really heavily into the co-op action combat, like 
we got to see a different thing from Bioware in the sense that this was the combat that I wanted in Mass Effect. Mm. This was the co-op gameplay that I was hoping for to be a little bit more robust as far as strategy and being able to command my teammates to do certain things. And we got, you know, a little bit more of that. But I'm hoping in Mass Effect 4, they take it even one step further and allow us to hot swap between characters like we saw in Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Like that to me is really fantastic co-op action combat that I look for in an RPG. Mm -hmm. And this game just really grabbed you with its narrative and of course as Bioware is known for their choices that impact the way that your story plays out and I remember being in the hinterlands the first area you get to in the game and thinking wow this game is so long and so big I can't believe that I've been playing for so long and then you like open up the next section and you're like wow I'm cool. <laughs> like this is like the tip of the freaking oh, iceberg. Know. This game is enormous. I know, and that's just it. So that's why it just sounds like the perfect game right now. And now that we're going into our own winter break, it just it's just soothing. And when this game first released, it was November 18th of 2014, I checked. And I remember because I had all my Christmas decorations up and it was all cheerful. And now I have all my Christmas decorations up again. And it's the kind of game that I just keep thinking about every holiday season, but I never get to. But this year I'm making it happen. And it's, uh, it's scratching nice. that itch. And also, if Steimer here, fuck egg. Fuck that. Oh. Oh, shit. I know. And it's it's really, this is the first time I've played it since I finished it. So it's it's really interesting to play it knowing what I know about all the characters and the roles they ultimately play. And the, the writing is just brilliant. Because, you know, obviously, the writers know everything. So when they write these lines, they seem so innocent when you're playing it for the first time. And then you go back after you know everyone's true motivations. And you're like, ooh, that has a whole new meaning. But it, it's so good. Such a good game. Gosh, now you're making me want to go back. I don't have I know, time Andrea, to go back I to Inquisition. Know. It's bad. I can't. My backlog from 2021 is deep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I love yeah. it. Um, I'm hoping and I promise. I'm not just hoping. I promise that when we're back for our next live episode in January, I will have new games to talk about. Um, but I have just been in a funk when it comes to video games. It's been really challenging with my daughter and just what she's going through with her sleep patterns right now. And then when I do find myself with like an hour or two to play something, I just like, like my mental motivation just hasn't been yeah. there. So I've just been playing my Lego Star Wars battles on my phone. I ended at number one on the leaderboards in the hey last you. round. So hey, go me. Good job. How do you? Um, grinding away. And um, just enjoying some stuff. So, and I downloaded the game that uh, Janet Garcia recommended. And let's see here. What was the name of that game? Grindfest, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, Grindstone. That sounds grindy. (laughs) That's the game that she was like, you should play this on your phone. So I have it queued up, ready to go. And then... um, John got a Switch OLED, which we talked about mm-hmm. back when Danny and Brianna were on the show when it came out. And I'm going to set that all up very okay, carefully good. before my trip home, because we're going to be on the road for about 11 days with a seven-month-old. God save me. Um, and <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to playing some games on my Switch. Hell yeah, girl. Hell yeah. 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 
maybe even I'll open up my Animal Crossing oh. island for shits and oh. giggles. Oh, oh, ambitious. You're getting ambitious. I know. Ambitious. I. It's tough because this time of year, I love decorating for winter, but I don't have like hardly any of the holiday recipes and so it bumps me oh, out. Can you get them? Still? I mean, are in Jesus, oh, okay. maybe. If I do a little praying yeah, well, at the altar. I'll pray for you at the altar. Of the balloon gods. Please <laughs> drop the recipe that I need. Stop dropping clay. I don't need any more fucking clay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Best of luck. Don't get me started, Brittany. I'm done. Okay. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, and we are done for 2021. Please join us next week for the What's Good Game Awards and for the show on New Year's Eve, the most anticipated 2022, both fun conversations. Thank you so much to everybody who has supported us in yet another year of the ongoing pandemic and a year where... It was wild for you and me as new moms and going through my hospitalizations, you and Steimer having to cover, Steimer doing that weird soliloquy show, and then Steimer leaving the show. Oh, what a year 2021 has been. What a year. But we will be back in 2022. Back at it. You think What's Good Games is defeated by 2021? Oh, Oh, no. Listen, if we can survive 2020 and 2021 back to back, I think we're good. I think we'll be doing this show until we're like 90. I think we're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Like Mari Takahashi said, just gaming grandmas still making content streaming on Twitch. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic holiday with your friends and family. We hope that you get to play some fun video games, eat some great food, and hopefully get some great naps. Bye, everybody.